0: Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory
1: University.
0: Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Analytics podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. I'm joined by Doug Battle and we are brought to you by the Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Doug, how does that go? That thing of the opinions expressed here today are those of the host and do not reflect the opinions of Emory University.
1: Or that of the co-host either. <laughs> so,
0: okay, <laughs> okay, Doug, wow. so right out the gate, I, I, got, I got a list of things to do. I think we go right out of the gate. We talk about Naomi Osaka. We've also got the NCAA tournament on um, beginning this week. And Tom yes. Brady and Aaron Rodgers... I don't know. I think probably the two biggest quarterback narratives of the off season to get to as well. Right. Uh, Okay, Doug. So Naomi Osaka withdrew from a tennis tournament in response to a heckler. I think the exact quote was yelling, you suck. Right. Is that the, is that about the story?
1: That's what I read. Like, are they sure that's what was being said? Because. I feel like athletes hear that all the time.
0: And it was only a – it sounded like it was a solitary heckler as well, which I thought was – One heckler,
1: yeah, which I've read um, some discussion as to whether this venue has an issue because apparently there was some sort of racist heckling of the Williams sisters. And
0: and again, I'm coming at this –
1: issue with the uh, venue.
0: Okay, so there's an issue in the tennis community. I would think the tennis community might be the politest of all sports communities. Golf. Okay. But I mean, it's gotta be one of those two, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's now, one so, of the two.
0: So Doug, this, um, well, I'll add something. So one of the things, one of the things I do is, and we're, we're getting up for the second round of it, is the survey of fandom across generations. And part of that survey is to collect data on fandom, again, for all sorts of different people, different ages, genders, et cetera, in terms of you know who they root for, who they who they care about. I recently went to my class at Emory University to get a little help on the Gen Z side. Of I showed them the old list, the list last year of celebrities, and asked them who else they should be on there. And and this was before, this was before the the withdrawal from the tournament. Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka were both pretty prominent on the list of people to be added. I can only think that. Frankly, they were two of the most, and they were on the list of the most impactful athletes of 2021, that the mental health category of athlete is incredibly powerful, especially with Generation Z, and they thought that these are major figures that should be included on that. So I, I thought that was an interesting starting point in all this, that they've kind of captured that. Well, mental health is enormous and anxiety is enormous, especially with the the younger generations. But that has oddly solidified their stardom.
1: Yeah, it has. And it's interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the the conversation rate (laughs) of of mental health has been on the rise over the years. The first story I remember in sports was Kevin Love. Uh, And, of course, mental health has probably always been an issue but I'm, I'm talking about uh, us talking about mental health in these terms um, Kevin love and I remember when he came out and, and was really heavily criticized I think um, and it's interesting to me how much the narratives have changed in just a few years from kind of the mainstream idea being to criticize someone like him uh, to now almost making a hero out of um, for example Simone Biles in, in these Olympics this, last summer.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. When you talked about Kevin Love, that made me think of something, and it, it's literally something I haven't thought about in years and years. There was a uh, player for the Dodgers named Steve Sachs before, you're, mm-hmm. before you were born, um, probably mostly active in the 80s and the 90s. And again, after badly estimating Tom Glavin's age last, last week, I'm not going to claim to remember when Steve Sachs played, but he had an issue. I think it was Sachs. Where suddenly he couldn't he was a second baseman and he couldn't throw the ball to first anymore. He had the, <laughs> the he yips had the yips and would bounce yeah. the ball to first and you know, kind of crazy stuff. So I think this kind of stuff has been out there forever. It's right. just been formalized in terms of what it's been what it's been named.
1: It wasn't it wasn't people didn't speak in medical terms. I, I don't feel like. Even for me growing up um and, and looking, at, it was always the yips. It was always he's a head case, he's got the yips, he's got... Whereas now, this person has a condition. It's a medical term. We speak like we're doctors now. Um, And and there's a lot more empathy or compassion uh, in the tone of the public, largely.
0: Well, and that's where I want to go with the conversation because something that I'm interested about, in reading some of the press coverage of Osaka... Some folks went back to an incident with uh, Venus and Serena Williams and it was a tournament about close to twenty years ago where they were supposed mm-hmm. to play in the quarterfinals. One withdrew for an injury, and you know I think the speculation was they didn't want to play each other and the crowd just kind of erupted with all sorts of insults and 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 name calling but it it as I'm reading that, it just made me think of. a a related issue to what's going on with Osaka. And that is the issue of heckling. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now I spent the morning looking at the psychological literature on heckling. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was an unsatisfying dive into something. (laughs) The message from the psychologist seemed to be that hecklers heckle because they have some unmet need. And I'm like, okay, well that that's literally anything. Like I go to work because I have an unmet need for, a roof over my head and, and food, right? Right, right. But the, they have an unmet need, and sometimes it's to, you know, they're lacking something, so they're trying to gain some power. But I don't think that's quite it, because when I think of heckling, I think is this just actually sort of a, something fundamental about fandom and fundamental about crowds? I remember getting lectured, you know, by our athletic director back in high school because there was some sort of bullshit chant and another basketball team.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Our school, for the record, I went to a Christian school and uh, the BS chant was off limits. And so they would yell, push it, uh, like push it down the court. But when a whole crowd is yelling, it sounds like, gotcha. push it, push it, push it. <laughs> the Christian kids with a workaround, the, beautiful. Yeah, it was pretty creative.
0: <laughs> but then I think probably every cheering group you know, are the Cameron Crazies hecklers?
1: Uh right? probably. <laughs> I mean,
0: are the and, and, and you know why I want to talk to you, right? Is the Georgia Bulldog Spike Squad are they are they hecklers? I I think I I've, can't, seen, I... I've seen heckling everywhere from kids lacrosse, girls lacrosse games to high school basketball to the maybe the most heckling I've ever seen was at a WNBA game of all places.
1: Yeah.
0: It's everywhere, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, um, to answer your question about the Spike Squad, when I was a member, absolutely. I can't speak for the current group. I have no idea. But you're right there on the front row of the student section and the opposing sidelines right in front of you. And the kicker, the net that he kicks into the whole game, was right in front of us every single game. And so usually the strategy, and, and to answer your question about like why, uh, for us it felt like a way where we could at least feel like we were affecting the game uh or, or feel like we had a part in things and so but specifically with the kickers we would just go ham on them. like we would we would heckle them so much throughout the game we'd we'd research them before the game and be yelling stuff at them that was like specific to them and sometimes they would look over at us and like we knew we were okay. getting in their like, head what
0: are you, what are you researching uh, about them
1: um like i'm trying to think I don't know. I mean, I was never one. Like, I didn't know their girlfriend's name or something like that. But, I mean, I've heard of that kind of thing before. Okay. But, okay
0: and, and, again, this is kind of my point. And, I'll, and get back to the story in a second. We're both laughing at the idea of researching the guy's girlfriend's name so you can pick on him throughout a whole game. Yeah. And, but I don't think there's anything actually malicious in what we're doing. It's some sort of, like, good, clean, fun
1: oh, yeah, that, that and, gets and,
0: close to a line.
1: Yeah, in football, especially, it feels like good, clean fun. Um, and I, I do remember games where that very kicker would go out and and miss the potential game-winning or game-tying kick, and, and we're all high-fiving and feel like we did it. You know, we 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 played our part. We did our part for the university, for the team. Um, would the kicker now- make
0: eye contact with you guys after that?
1: At times, yeah, I mean we we'd been flicked off or cussed out or whatever by by players. Uh, some of them would respond poorly. Sometimes the players, one of the funniest things, I think it was Georgia Tech. Uh, we were heckling them pretty pretty bad. They pulled up a bench on uh, the the players would sit on, but they all stood up on the bench. To watch the game and we're on the front row of the student section so we couldn't see the game because <laughs> all the players were blocking the fans that were heckling them so there's kind of this interaction uh between opposing players and fans that you know to me i, I thought that was funny like, i thought that was hilarious i thought it was all in good clean fun obviously uh when, when race gets involved or when people you know there's there's certainly a line that can be crossed and i'll be honest thinking about these recent incidents um specifically in well, tennis. Actually,
0: Doug, before we go into that, let me, so let me ask you this. So you guys were doing it as part of a fan group. It's almost like you guys were as part of the anti Auburn or anti Alabama or anti LSU part of Georgia fandom in a way it's coming from a positive place, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like for the dogs or whatever. And I had actually. It's funny because we would always joke about this, but one of the Auburn weekends where Georgia beat Auburn in Athens. Oh,
0: what, sorry, Doug. One more follow-up question. Yeah. Was there ever alcohol involved?
1: Actually, believe it or not, there wasn't for us. We could. It was like a rule for the Spike Squad that we couldn't drink alcohol, and uh, because we interfaced with so many children and families, because they would come get their pictures with us, and and we were. An official student group and a representation of the university technically and so um we actually people always thought that oh wow they're crazy they must all be hammered and they must all be really high or something It was the most sober group of kids on the campus on a game day um which is to me is always fun to tell people because it's always people are usually a little bit surprised by that with with the behavior and how crazy uh we acted but I was talking about that Auburn weekend there was a weekend where Georgia beat Auburn and apparently an Auburn fan had a really bad experience at the game and don't get me wrong I've sat by some very obnoxious Georgia fans in my time I I get it like I'm sure they probably ended up next to one of those people Uh, But they wrote an open letter to like Georgia fans and they specifically (laughs) talked about the Spike squad and like one of the members spitting on them and stuff, which to the best of my knowledge didn't happen. And that's the kind of thing I feel like between fans it can get where it's like not in good fun, like that, that would be too far. But we always joked about it because nobody did that. Like we were all sober and we were all just having fun at the game and our team beat theirs and it seemed like they were just really salty and making up stuff about us. Um, but, and there was also, there was one kid on the spike squad and there's one picture of him that every time there was a negative article out about Georgia fans, his picture was (laughs) on the article every single time and we kept screenshots of it, but I think it somehow ended up involved in that whole story. Um, but yeah, so I think between fans, it can get, it can get pretty messy. Um, and I didn't partake in any of that and I didn't see any of that really on the spike squad. Uh, because we weren't even around, other teams' fans we were in the Georgia student section, so we we would have fun with the players, but uh, not between fans. But I'll say this: uh, we did a couple girls' sporting events, and I don't think I could get myself to heckle a female athlete. Maybe there's something wrong about that <laughs> in somebody's eyes, but um, it felt like it feels like hitting a girl. Like it feels kind of unfair. Like that's off limits. And so I think it's interesting that. Simone Biles and Osaka, like these recent stories, it's always a female athlete where these stories are really... Well,
0: let me, okay, let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, it seems wrong to me. Okay, my daughter's playing high school lacrosse at the moment. It seems wrong to me if parents start yelling at specific players on the other team. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but- Which I, coached, um, I coached some middle school basketball last year. We had some of that going on. And it's, it's bizarre. It is bizarre. But I will also say this.
0: And again, the opinions expressed here are the opinions of someone, not Emory University. Somehow, it does seem more, you know, somehow you have a feeling it's less of an issue if you are heckling the star lacrosse player on the boys team than if you're heckling a member of the girls team.
1: Yeah, and again, that's something I'm sure somebody could criticize that sentiment, but it, it, it's the way it is, and I think that's part of why these stories um, resonate a little bit more when it's Simone Biles versus Kevin Love.
0: Yeah. Okay, so age matters. Unfortunately, perhaps gender matters in terms of you know the <clears throat> the tone and the the interpretation. I suppose people would say the the overall meaning somehow it, it ends up being different um but it's everywhere isn't it i mean there's no part of sports of and as you go up the levels and again i think the tragedy is when you see like the little league parents screaming at an umpire (laughs) when there's eight-year-olds playing
1: you gotta or or even worse screaming at a child
0: (laughs) you, you gotta you gotta pull back from that parents
1: gotta hold back hold back yeah
0: but when you're talking about major college football major college basketball professional football i think it's uh well i mean i guess there have been some incidents in the nba over the last couple of years where lebron has had people uh, thrown out and i want to say yeah. there have been a couple of players that have had people thrown like out russell
1: westbrook or someone like that um got into it with the fan i mean sometimes they'll if the player responds to the fan then the fan is almost definitely going to get tossed yeah um and, and i've heard some some things said at at LeBron, some videos where it's it's a little bit uncalled for, where or, or you know maybe uh, you go past the you suck to the something specific about his mom or or girl or wife or children or whatever. I think anytime someone says something about someone's kid, uh, there it's going to get heated. I mean that's definitely crossing the line. I think when you're going beyond the performance of of the sport.
0: So let's talk unmet needs, this uh, catch-all for the psychology of it. Is getting tossed out of a game as a heckler, getting having LeBron toss you out?
1: Is that a badge of honor?
0: Is that, yeah, a magical moment for the rest of your life?
1: I haven't. On, you're on
0: ESPN, right?
1: <laughs> I haven't experienced that, believe it or not. Um, I don't know. I guess so. Uh, the, the, my fear would be being banned from the arena, Cause it's likely at your home arena, and not being able to go back to games and stuff would be a bummer. Without creating like a fake identity or something, but I don't know. I'll, I'll, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who's been tossed. But I know some little league dads who have been tossed, and and they're just angry about it. Um, they feel they feel like this righteous anger for I shouldn't have been. I was being reasonable. Uh I used to my old job. There were a bunch of dads that. Uh, their kids all played little league and one of the dads infamously would get tossed from every other game. He's a little bit too competitive.
0: <laughs> yeah. And look, as we have this conversation, I don't know what the unmet, it sounds like heckling is, it can come from about a half dozen different places. And that's the, yeah. And that's the problem. And some of it yeah. can be almost positive in terms of, and again, this is the danger of fandom, right? If you are this tribe that is supporting your tribe, and your tribe is playing a game then it's nothing but enthusiasm to hate on the other team right well, does it does not it cross it's like, the
1: line it's there's a certain level of you're trying to affect you're trying to get in their head you're trying to affect their performance um what's interesting to me in this scenario i don't know any i guess there's some super passionate women's tennis fans that like really hate the other person or want them to fail like lebron getting heckled is pretty predictable um I would imagine it's probably not as frequent in in women's tennis. I mean, LeBron probably hears the same thing every night. Um you know, for a young lady to to being told stuff that she's never heard before might be a different experience.
0: Which does probably mean that if LeBron hears that stuff every night, if you do get him to engage with you and you do get tossed, you've achieved something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I've seen videos of of LeBron engaging with fans and and it getting pretty heated. I think what no one actually wants is to um to, to get in an actual altercation with an athlete of that caliber. And so they're kind of. Playing with fire, um, and, and kind of tempting the person because because they want it but they don't want it, and and the player will sort of threaten to actually get intervene.
0: Taunting of grizzly bear at the zoo exactly. with a glass wall.
1: <laughs> it's exactly like that. You feel invincible until you're not.
0: Well, um, I, I don't know that I mean you know like I don't know anything about the the case the the specifics. I didn't see video of it. Can we guess that there's probably a 75%, 80 percent chance that the heckler was drunk?
1: Yeah, I don't know what else would motivate – like in that – I know it would motivate me at a Georgia football game where I love my team and I hate the other team and I want them to mess up. Yeah, but I don't everyone's know what, yelling
0: with you. I mean, you're in a cra- – you have a lot of support for that opinion there, right? Yeah, yeah. This woman yeah. seemed to be completely alone.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what would motivate you in that environment. Um, it's almost like doing that at a golf tournament. It, it just seems a little bit – like you must really want attention or be really obnoxious, or, like you said, you potentially be inebriated <laughs> so.
0: okay, I'll say this, and we can make it the last word if you want, or you can chime back in <clears throat> somehow, some way though, I suspect it makes Osaka a more marketable athlete. you know we there there's been data out there that she's made what sixty million dollars in the last
1: and a in a twelve month period in a twelve
0: month. She may well be, you know, controversy, especially certain kinds of contra- controversy are nothing but a positive for the endorsement value of athletes at this point. Kaepernick, uh, Serena Williams, Megan Rapino. this may actually Simone. put Osaka at that next level, get her to maybe be a hundred million dollar a year brand.
1: Yeah, that, that was, uh, of course, <laughs> you wish the best for the individual and you know if, if there's some help that she needs or whatever you hope that she gets that but beyond that that was my initial thought was that this is a from a branding standpoint in this day and age and again it's a very different landscape than just it's a, a very few years ago strange for world. Kevin for well for Kevin Love just a few years ago this was almost like a killer for his brand. He no longer had the killer instinct. He no longer was an alpha male. He no longer was like a A-list NBA All-Star. He was now kind of like a supporting cast guy. He couldn't be the guy anymore after that. That was the perception. Um, so much has changed. Where there's there's kind of this. Um, people really look up to individuals and particularly athletes who speak up on issues that they find relatable or they find important. And so anything that draws attention to mental health. Um, as long as it's not an episode of a, a person, you know, acting inappropriately, um, I think actually is a net positive as far as their probably their branding and earnings and and I mean just looking at Simone Biles and even Kaepernick, like you said, um, not specifically mental health but somewhat related.
0: Well, and maybe maybe there's one. Let me give one final observation. Right, it's I don't think there's any mystery. People want to have a passionate organizations want to have a passionate fan base you know the georgia football program loves the fact that the students created the spike squad right they love the fact that the fans stand up the entire game when you're successful in creating that kind of passion you don't necessarily get to you know you don't get to determine the hard limits right Mm -hmm. when you've got essentially when you've got everyone riled up you don't know how far they're gonna how far they're gonna take it Um, Maybe you know some of it, and look. I think you're probably right that this varies by varies by the age of the athlete, by the gender of the athlete, for whatever reason. It probably also really matters what sport you're playing, right? That if you're talking about tennis, golf, gymnastics, that edge has got to be pushed back. Than if you're talking about figure skating, (laughs) then, then if you're talking about SEC football on a Saturday evening in Baton Rouge.
1: Yeah, how much of it do you think, Mike, is, like, for the athlete, when you're making $60 million, part of what you're getting paid for is putting up with some nonsense, putting up with some hate from people, or or, you know, versus, like, I mean, is that the hardest part of your job? And if it is, like, is it acceptable? Or do you think it's going to get to the point where it's like, okay, anybody who says anything negative about an athlete within – in arena, <laughs> it's going to be tossed, or you know that's viewed as foul or or unsportsmanlike from the fans. There's going to be some kind of penalty.
0: Well, Doug, I, look, I I think it's it's kind of cultural, and it's we're in the midst of a culture changing. Yeah, I think it's always
1: it's been fair game for the up until now. It but seems. but I
0: but I suspect that for some people, especially younger people, the view or Osaka, the view is probably like... I'm a tennis player. I earn what I earn because I'm a great tennis player. This stuff has nothing to do with this. This is just yeah. kind of pure abuse. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you the, sort of the, a really kind of dumb example. Anyone that operates at all in the public eye is going to get feedback that would stun people that don't operate in the public eye. And I'll yeah. be very loose in terms of public eye. As a professor, when you get anonymous course reviews, or when you do writing for, you know, when you put stuff out on a blog or you write an op-ed column, you, the responses very quickly get to threats. I mean, not, right. I've never gotten a threat in teaching evaluation, <laughs> but let's call it public scholarship gets yeah. right to threats. It's, it's stunning. And, um, but you know, and again, generationally or for whatever reason, uh, you know, I don't care if an Oakland Raiders fan threatens me. You know, maybe it'd be different if they were in the same building as I am and they were threatening me from across from across the, the courtyard, but...
1: Right. You know. Yeah, I guess that, that is an interesting perspective. Like, most people don't walk into their work environment and have people saying, hey, you suck. <laughs> You're terrible. You're, you know, just saying stuff that, that can really affect their their mental state. Um, and so I guess that's the argument in this day and age. Whereas on the flip side, I've always kind of viewed it. I think a lot of sports fans have viewed it as like, they signed up for this. They, they know what's coming. I mean, it's like, it's just like anything else. Like you said, when you're in the public eye, there's going to be criticism. You go on Twitter, I'm sure there's a million amazing things said about the person. I'm sure there's a million just horrible things. And even things that, that weren't said um, in this incident where, you know, in, a, in the digital age, there's always some kind of heckling, uh, if, if the person is keeping up with or reading the comments or or reading the reviews or whatnot. And so um, there's two sides to it. And I, I'm just kind of interested to see as society changes, how does that change sports? How does that change uh, kind of sportsmanship at, at, for fans?
0: Well, Doug, here's a, here's a question for you. Are there two sides of it? Or is this one of these issues where there used to be two sides of it and going forward, there's one side?
1: Yeah. Um I mean I still I still think there's two sides where it's like I think there's there's kind of not there's kind of a, a group of fans that would be very vocal about how they feel. But on the media media side of things, I think there is like one one correct side. That's that's how it seems. I haven't seen a lot of I haven't seen anything critical of the athletes in these circumstances.
0: Sort of related to that. Moving forward to college basketball. Uh, the NCAA tournament pairings have been announced. Uh, we've talked in the past that the NCAA tournament is probably the greatest playoffs system tournament in all of sports in terms of generating excitement. Going into the tournament this year, though, Doug, I don't got a lot. I mean, I, I'm looking at it as, uh, to me, the big story is it's Krzyzewski's last run. Yeah. They would have to, I think, take on Gonzaga to make it to the final four
1: well before that they got to take on likely michigan state texas tech or alabama and then yeah gonzaga
0: but that would seem to me to be the major storyline going into this tournament what do you got what are you looking forward to and and don't get me wrong the beauty beautiful thing about this is by the end of next weekend we'll have three or four really compelling storylines and we'll be all bought in
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what's great about March. I mean, I think you're right in the sense of there's not this, there's not a Zion Williamson in college basketball. I don't think the average sports fan could name five college basketball players this year. Um, The coaches are almost the iconic brands in college basketball because there's that level of continuity. Whether it's Coach K or Coach Wright or Coach Izzo, Uh, go down the line. I mean, it's it's kind of. It becomes about coaches to in the long term. Um, I mean, to me, the the big storylines are always the upsets. And right now, like you said, like those will probably, or you kind of indicated, you know, we'll have all these stories a week from now. Right now, nobody's talking about Longwood or. uh, I'm trying to think of a couple others that were potential loyal to Chicago. Don't say
0: Chattanooga. Don't say "dead."
1: <laughs> no, I. You'll be proud to know I have your alumni making much further this year. Um, but yes, UAB, my hometown team that I grew up pulling for and will be rooting for, even though I don't like their matchup in the first round. But um, yeah, I mean, is it is it true not...
0: you actually grew up rooting for them?
1: I did. I went to a lot of their games uh, because they were they were a fun team to root for because they were an occasional... They had to win their conference to make the tournament, which was a bummer because you could win 25 games and not make the tournament if you lost in your conference championship. Um, but once they were in, they were, there was a year they made the Sweet 16 and beat Kentucky. Uh, they could kind of lose to anybody but beat anybody, so they were a fun little Cinderella to root for. Um, and Most prominent
0: home, home. UAB graduate uh, in the NBA.
1: You're asking me? Yeah. Quizzing you. Oh, now. gosh. For me, I mean, when my era was Robert Vaden, who who unfortunately, I think, had some substance abuse issues that, that slowed down his career um, in the NBA. But he was, we thought he was Steph Curry. He was kind of Curry before Curry as far as shooting the... He was shooting from the logo back in, I don't know, 2008. Beautiful. Yep. But yeah, so to me, the stories are always Cinderella. It's like as a relatively casual college basketball fan, I'm not as excited about like, Oh, who would win between Gonzaga and Kentucky or Gonzaga and Kansas. Like, I'm like, okay, what if, what if Cal state Fullerton beat Duke? That'd be awesome.
0: Hey, hey, Doug, at some point, you know, and look, I think, I think the COVID era has oddly decimated college basketball. I'm not exactly sure what the connection is, but all of sports has suffered the last couple of years. And I feel like college basketball has had maybe the biggest drop off in terms of the amount of attention they're able to, uh, to garner. And it's, it's actually a time period where my align, I have li- been a little bit on the upswing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of strange to me, but, uh, and I forget where I was going with this, but it's, you know, the, oh. the NCAA basketball, they need this tournament.
1: They do. Uh, can't, can't afford another pandemic outbreak right before. Oh, oh what I was um, going to
0: say, Doug, is it, it also feels like we are getting to the point where we have to have a conversation about, ha- and, and I think this is my dilemma, has Gonzaga became a, become an official blue blood yes. at the level of the Kentuckys and the Dukes? And they got to be close, they're, but, but they're doing it during an era where maybe the fan attention's not there.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, counterpoint to your point about uh, the maybe college basketball not getting as much attention. I think college basketball, the the beautiful thing, it's a, much like fantasy football for the NFL. They have a built-in engagement system for fans, and it's not just like hardcore fans. It's casual fans, like most office places are doing these brackets, and there's a certain level that they can't lose, like as long as there's a bracket, people will be filling out their brackets. And as long as people fill out their brackets, they're going to be at least a little bit interested to see how they perform. And so I I love that system. Like, I love they have that built-in kind of casual fandom that the NFL has. I hope Um, you're right, Maybe maybe the NBA lacks that. Like, if LeBron's not in the playoffs, I think a lot of people turn it off or tune out or whatever. Or not just LeBron, but, you know, there's a number of circumstances that can cause that to happen in the NBA. College basketball, it's like, I feel like, every year Thursday and Friday roll around and there's five games on at once and three buzzer beaters that happen and and people tend to tune in uh, regardless of how connected they are to the players on a team or even to... Like for me, my alma mater isn't in the tournament. Um, my alma mater is rarely in the tournament. And I don't think a lot of people... With how much turnover there is nowadays in college basketball, I don't think there's as much like connection to the players as there used to be, which is, I think, part of the issue.
0: Well, maybe the speculation becomes then that college basketball is living on these casual fans. But yeah. structurally, the hardcore fans have been taking uh what the hardcore fans are looking for is taking a taking a beating i mean just as you said it right Mm -hmm. players leave very quickly the coaches coaches are the iconic figures in college basketball right but doug a lot of those guys are getting pretty near the end Beheim, krashevsky
1: i know i mean even roy williams being gone at unc it's watching them and it's like an assistant is out there. It doesn't feel like UNC. Um, and I'm sure Duke will feel like that next year, so, unless he pulls a Tom Brady, which is probably a good segue.
0: <laughs> okay. It is a great segue. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: I didn't plan that.
0: Tom Brady. Okay, look, I, I love it because the two, the two most enjoyable quarterback stories because i think you know Deshaun Watson's a major story as well but i don't find right. that one particularly enjoyable. The two most enjoyable quarterback stories for me are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers at this point. Rodgers gets the big money, 50 million per year, highest paid quarterback in the history of the league. And you know, maybe Rodgers is viewing it as it's time for his legacy. He's going to go win a Super Bowl or two with the Packers and then Brady jumps back in The two most compelling—I mean, I don't know how the season will go, and neither of these guys was in the Super Bowl last year. But in a way, doesn't it feel like they're going to play—as of today, March 14th, it feels like these two guys are going to square off in the NFC Championship next year.
1: It does feel that way. It does feel like Tom Brady's got to go out with a ring. Uh, It just— wouldn't feel right otherwise. And sports, they're so storybook uh, on their own. Sometimes it just feels like destiny. Okay, Doug, so, follow
0: up. Brady comes back and gets a ring. That'd be two Super Bowls in three years at Tampa Bay. Has Tom Brady elevated the Bucks brand to something different?
1: I don't know because it still feels like a. It's it just feels Brady. like a. It feels like a mercenary. You know, it feels like the Bucks got a mercenary to win a championship. Or two. I don't know if, like, if Jordan had won a championship with the Wizards, would the Wizards be like this heralded basketball franchise? I don't know. I'm not saying the Bucks are as well. Here, they're here, not the Wizards. The Bucks are already a, a much better franchise. Here's
0: the follow up to that, Doug. What if Jordan had won two championships with the Wizards? And the follow up to that, what if he had won three?
1: <laughs> I think three. At that point, you're you've solidified yourself. I think so. I don't know though. Like the Gi- like the Giants won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning as quarterback and there's still like the majority of NFL fans kind of act like Eli Manning was a joke or like it was a fluke. You know, it never felt like, "Oh, that's a real that's a dynasty. That's that was a great team or that that was great coaching by Coughlin." Um there's kind of this interpretation of it that it was it was a fluke which I kind of think it was as a Giants fan but it was it was a fun fluke at that
0: okay the other guy in all this Aaron Rodgers has he become has he become the the best villain in the NFL at this point
1: I I will say this like a, a year ago I don't think we really viewed it as a possibility we thought he'd either retire or he'd be in denver or some some other franchise um i don't think we considered that he might come to green bay for another 4 years particularly after they drafted jordan love that year at quarterback and so he's he's a villain when it comes to covid when i, I don't know why i mean pre covid i don't know why anybody loved to hate him i guess his personality rubs people the wrong way he just doesn't care it's not that he doesn't care about his craft or he doesn't care about winning and losing. he doesn't care about the pageantry um he sorry, doesn't I'm care about choking on his own spit over there um, he doesn't care about how he's viewed how he's saying the right thing or what's politically correct or whatever like he's just He just wants to play ball, I think. And so I think that rubs some people the wrong way in this day and age. And it it does make him a villain in our society. At the same time, as somebody who kind of admires the guy, I feel like he's like the perennial bridesmaid. Like he just can't. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong, but he's kind of always in Tom's shadow. This felt like maybe it was his chance to be the guy, even though he's been the MVP the last two years, um, to really be like the only guy. And, of course, Tom Brady announces his return. Was, was too much time with Giselle, just driving him crazy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I no. don't know what inspired him to change his mind so quickly. But this was the shortest retirement since Brett Favre.
0: Those three weeks at home got him back in. Yeah. Well, okay, so you know that I love Aaron Rodgers. I, I love I love the independent thinkers out there. So Rogers, Kyrie, you know, you said, you know, he you you made the comment that he might just do or say things because he doesn't care. I suspect that he can't just stop himself, that that's just how his mind works. Yeah. And you get what you you get.
1: He's pretty old school in that way. Like he's like most people my age are dads are kind of like that. Like they're like, if they were in the public, I they would be so canceled by now Um, not because they're bad people but because they're just not like super careful and crafty with how they like communicate like everyone my age is and i feel like aaron Rodgers is kind of like an old soul in that way
0: i think and he does some stuff right and it he does some stuff that i just love i mean we go back to last season where he told the bears fan that was, you know, the Bears fan is flipping him off as he scores a touchdown and he just yells back at her that he owns her. Or he owns yeah. them. The, you know, standing up for his point of view on the COVID, I mean, I, he might come out as a flat earther, right? Any day now.
1: Do you think, Aaron Rodgers, do you think he really has a view on COVID or do you think he just takes the contrarian view on everything? Like, do you think if the public popular view was that, like, we shouldn't wear masks or we shouldn't get vaccinated that he would have been like the first NFL player to get vaccinated. You think that's just in his nature? I don't, I, I tend to think it's, I mean that that's how Kyrie seems to me. Like it seems like he just takes, he takes the the least popular view for the sake of it.
0: I think, you know, I mean, and this is a much deeper, a much this is a much deeper conversation, but I, I tend to think, and this is just sort of, my opinion, not the yeah. opinion of the Emory Marketing Analytics Center, <laughs> that, you know, we live in a media environment where, you know, there's a joke going around now uh, online, memes of I'm for the current thing. Have you seen that?
1: Yes, I have seen it. Elon Musk tweeted it earlier today.
0: And, and so when we live in this media environment where only one opinion is acceptable and, and respectable company. I think when you have a more analytical mind, you're going to start to view everything with, you're going to start to view everything through a very critical lens. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's surprising that, and look, the credibility of the people making the arguments, the flimsiness of some of the arguments for whatever the current thing is. Look, and this is a tough thing, but I think we're in this world where a lot of, sort of the major media just has almost like this propagandist feel in terms of there's one acceptable opinion and there's going to be people that push back on that. And I think that's what happens with folks like Kyrie, folks like Aaron Rodgers, folks like Elon Musk in in some ways. And so I I think it's almost this desire to engage in a more constructive and and critical argument that Mm -hmm. these guys are bristling at because they're told, no, they can't They can't do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. look—you know that I have—I've taught class with a picture of the flat Earth behind me, (laughs) and part of that is just the curiosity of—is anyone in my class going to challenge it? Challenge me on that, and then we can have sort of a more an interesting discussion about that topic. And again, folks listening, it's just a little bit of a professor kind of uh, teaching device. But I suspect that that's where these guys are coming from in terms of their relationship with the media and some of the. The arguments and again that that's kind of unsatisfying to have the conversation quickly but mm-hmm. it's and, and look there's, there's this other thing right this this idea of and we've talked some about this i think this this personality trait of disagreeableness which <laughs> right. is you know sounds worse than it is but just this yeah. idea that i'm going to challenge the facts that i'm getting and it's just part of human nature for some people
1: yeah exactly yeah i've and i've I've seen that more and more in these last couple of years. I think like with the rise of what you were describing as um, media that, that tends to tell it as if there's only one view of things, there are certain people that are going to chat. They'll challenge everything, even if it's like something blatantly clear and obvious or seeming that lead that way to everyone else. And so, uh, yeah, it seems like Aaron Rodgers is, is one of those guys. And that's part of what's made him, like a hero to some and a villain to others, but nevertheless, a huge story for the NFL.
0: Okay. Does Rogers have to win? um, Does Rogers have to win one more championship to, and again, I don't know what his legacy is. Rogers legacy is one of those great quarterbacks, but he's in that, he's in that group maybe with the Dan Marinos and the, you know, that that group of ultra talented, but never had a dominant run. Does he have to win two Super Bowls to elevate himself to that next uh, level?
1: he's never going to elevate himself beyond Brady from a championship standpoint. Well, unless he's in the- don't
0: you think that that discussion's over, right? Everyone's playing for a second.
1: Yeah, which I think is... I There's still part of me that feels like with Aaron Rodgers, you put him on those same teams, he wins just as many, if not more, Super Bowls. Like I, I truly have kind of always been in that camp with him because I think he's the superior athlete. I think he's the superior talent to Tom Brady. I think what makes Brady special is some intangibles that Aaron Rodgers... Kind of has, but maybe has less of, and maybe they outweigh him, uh, his his physical attributes that Brady lacks. I don't know, but I still tend to think. Well, let me a let me add it, to
0: that. I think that's fair because Rogers does some things that almost strike you as almost magical, like where he'll place a ball. Uh,
1: right. He's kind of Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes, to me, seemed like the second coming of Aaron Rodgers in a way where uh, they are different players, but there's a lot of that same stuff where it's like Tom Brady can't do that. Like, <laughs> he, he can't do a lot of the things that Aaron Rodgers can do. Um, and it's like maybe he just didn't have as good of a front office as Brady had. Brady had an amazing, oh, probably the best front office ever in New England that kept reloading and reloading and finding value. Uh, whereas Green Bay... Even in recent years, Green Bay took a quarterback who hasn't seen the field where they had potential Super Bowl runs and maybe were a play or two away from from making it. And maybe with the New England front office, that would have been a Super Bowl team uh, two years ago. So uh, it's it's really hard for me to say. But in the public eye, I don't think he's passing Brady. So I don't know how much more he can do for his... I mean, of course it helps to win a championship, Um and he's won MVP the last two years. I don't think another MVP means much. I think it's championship or bust for Aaron Rodgers. But again, I, I, it seems like in the public eye, he's fighting for second place.
0: He's, he's fighting for top five all time, probably. And I don't know yeah. who that, you know, offhand, I don't know who that top five is. It's probably, you know, Joe Montana, Troy Aikman, um, you know, the guys with the most Super Bowls. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you think, Mike, do you think judging quarterbacks by Super Bowls is a fair way to judge quarterbacks?
0: Yeah, I, I do, but again, I've got this sort of strange research program in the back of my head now that's mm-hmm. biasing my thoughts on this, right? the Looking at the data, it's the study that, and I've never really written it up because I can't figure out the right story for it, but this lack of correlation between talent at the running back positions and in the wide receiver positions mm-hmm. and quarterback performance continues to sort of throw me off and leaves me thinking that really it is the quarterback. And again, I, look, I will get nothing but hammered from it of, well, you know, Aikman had Emmitt Smith and um, Michael Irvin. Uh, Terry Bradshaw had the, you know, the steel curtain defense. Mm -hmm. Joe Montana had Jerry Rice, et cetera. I'm just not sure. I mean, the quarterback may be the one guy that really – and I don't think this is true in basketball or any other sport. The quarterback may be the one guy where it's fair to judge them based on the number of Super Bowls. Uh, gotcha. But I, I'm uncomfortable with that position, uh, to be yeah. honest with you.
1: I just – like this year to me, it was a perfect argument to counter that with Stafford. The first time he plays on a decent team going and winning a Super Bowl and looking at it and thinking – and he's past his prime, in my opinion, looking at it and thinking – Wow, if he had been in New England, if he had been in Green Bay, if he had been, would he be considered in that same category as Tom Brady? or uh, even Aaron Rodgers, just simply due to number of rings. I guess we'll never know in those circumstances. Sometimes it's like Kobe Bryant was drafted by the Lakers, played with Shaq, and and won three championships right out the gate, which, you know, it's like, would Tracy McGrady have done the same thing in that situation? I don't know. We'll never know.
0: Would Michael Jordan have won any championships without Jerry Krause? I mean... (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah we'll never know that's i guess that's just for sports fans to debate but, well, it's it, but and
0: doug it's an endless debate right because this year also gives me this counterpoint that the Bengals had an a run of futility they got an upcoming star quarterback in joe burrow and suddenly they're in the super bowl right so it's like i said it's a tough one
1: i think the Bengals winning it would have just ended the argument forever Because that team was not very good, apart from Joe Burrow, Um, that that was a pretty significant uh, point for for those in the camp of it's all about quarterback.
0: Well, and 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 look, the Buffalo Bills, the Mm -hmm. Kansas City Chiefs, you know, in, in some ways, these are teams that have been they haven't been dynasties, they haven't been sort of the the elite teams but they end up with a guy named Allen and a guy named Mahomes and a guy named burrow. And suddenly those are probably the top three teams in the AFC going forward. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, Doug, I'll give you the last word. Anything else on your mind to look forward to in this? uh, Well, I mean, March madness is obviously the thing, but anything else you want to throw out there before we turn the mics off? Uh,
1: March madness is all I care about right now. I will say there's a coaching carousel going on in college basketball at the moment. Uh, that one's always interesting to me because I think college basketball more so than just about any other sport is is one where coaches can make an impact, particularly in the age of the transfer portal where we could see a top coach leave schools and his starting five follow him to another school and, and transform the... Uh, hierarchy of college basketball programs in the short term. So um, that's something I'm keeping an eye on as well. I think spring practice is getting started for some college football. I don't think anyone really cares about that at the moment. And the NFL. Doug, don't come- sell
0: yourself short. All of the SEC cares about that a lot.
1: Okay, the SEC. I mean, in like the big, the the you know, the wide world um, of sports. But uh, Russell Wilson quietly with, I think most off seasons would have been the biggest story of the off season. A guy like him going to Denver, but quietly going to the Denver Broncos, um, a team that I think its fans feel like may have been a quarterback away, although I know there's some concerns about their offensive line. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, there And the NFL kind of continues to dominate. All of sports, even in its own off-season uh, draft coming up, I don't know. It just seems like they always find a way to to make the news when it should be on the NBA or on college basketball or something else. So we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of my last thoughts on sports this week and looking forward to the brackets um, g- getting going and watching some basketball and hopefully some upsets this week.
0: Okay, and that's an absolutely perfect ending because the one thing Doug did leave out was that Major League Baseball – has settled their labor labor agreement,
1: and Freddie Freeman's not going back to the Braves. And,
0: oh, did he sign with the Dodgers?
1: He didn't sign, but the Braves traded for a different first baseman. Yeah, another. Yeah, that that one always slips my mind. MLB is always back of mind for me, but I I am kind of biased. That's like not my. And
0: look, and and it's it's kind of great. I'm not I'm not even making light of it. It's just I I'm not saying that you forgot about it. It's just like in this world of fandom, you know, we are in some ways creatures of you know, what the media is pushing on us and what they're interested in. So there's, there's no wrong answers. Okay. As always, folks, there's more content at www.fandomanalytics.com. Talk to you next week.